0: I think a particular attraction of the treatable trait approach is it's adaptable to different settings, different care settings.
1: You are listening to Treatable Traits on Asthma. This series is intended for healthcare professionals that are interested in being updated within asthma. You will be updated according to available science and the speaker's clinical experiences Take time to subscribe for this podcast on the channel you're using so you don't miss out on new episodes. Welcome to the first episode in our podcast, Treatable Traits in Asthma. In our first episode, we will discuss why treatable traits are important in asthma patients. Treatable traits are defined as aspect of the disease that can be identified and modified with resultant benefit to the patient. Our system moved from applying the label asthma and generic one-size-fits-all management to a new system where the label is the start of the diagnostic process and the focus is on what asthma the patient has. My name is Professor Wiebeke Bagger. I'm professor at the main university hospital Rishospitalet Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark. Welcome, Ian and Peter. I've been looking so much forward to discussing treatable traits. Peter, why is treatable traits so important?
2: Thanks, Vibika, and it's great to be doing this podcast about treatable traits and how to actually put it into practice. And to answer your question, what I'm what comes to my mind is something that a patient told me once, and, it, and that person said, my asthma is different. My asthma is not the same as everyone else's asthma. And that what that person was telling me was that, yes, they have asthma, and yes, they need asthma treatment, but if I'm to um, manage their problem effectively as a doctor, I need to understand the particular features of that person's asthma. And that's what treatable traits offers. It offers that to patients and to doctors, a way of understanding the complexity of an individual's problems as well as how one person's asthma is not the same as the next person's.
1: And uh, do you think about it uh, when you work in your daily life, like when you told about the patient, do you think about it with each patient?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I ask myself, I, I, in fact, I don't think I could practice without thinking about treatable traits now when I see people with asthma or airway disease. I ask myself, what what's the cause of their symptoms? What other problems might be driving this? And it lets me think more broadly than just simply writing a prescription for a, a single inhaler, for example.
1: Yeah. What about you, Ian? How do you practice...
2: Yeah, no, I,
0: I find it uh, essential, um, particularly in people with more complex severe disease um, where there are a lot of different mechanisms at play um, and where traditional one size fits all management has clearly failed. You know, that's why they've been sent to see a specialist. Uh, so, so you need to think differently differently. Um, treatable traits is a, a really good system for um, better matching patients to their treatment and precision medicine. And of course, it was uh, this approach which led to the discovery of the efficacy of the biologic drugs. They, they failed when they were given uh, in a one-size-fits-all fashion. And it was only when patients with the relevant treatable trait type 2 airway inflammation were recruited uh, did we see the efficacy of treatment so this approach is absolutely um, essential for optimum management of severe asthma but I, I, I've always felt like Peter that uh, the obstructive airway diseases that we see are, are clearly heterogeneous and it makes no sense at all to have a one-size-fits-all <laughs> management approach uh so so there's a disconnect right there um and treatable traits is trying to take us away from from one-size-fits-all rather symptom-dominated uh, treatment paradigms uh it hasn't happened yet and uh you know the guidelines are still lagging behind a bit but certainly in the severe asthma clinic uh i think everyone is uh is adopting a treatable trait type approach. And in COPD care, the gold guidelines are very, very much centered on treatable traits. So so it is slowly happening. It's a relatively new concept, Rebecca, and I think the the first papers on this appeared in 2015, 2016.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do we still have the same uh, assessment tools for each patient. then, So you have the uh, results of the testing and then you use uh, what you can use to cure the patient or to manage the patient.
0: I think the key aspect of treatable trait management and the aspect that departs most from current guidelines is uh, that um, The assessment of type 2 airway inflammation, which is a routine part of uh, management of anyone with airways disease and uh, corticosteroid treatment, another treatment that targets type 2 airway inflammation is applied only when this process is present. Uh, not in a symptom-directed way. So I think that's that's really the key aspect, and um, we're not quite there in non-specialist care. It takes a little bit of time to uh, to change thinking, but uh, the the studies that have compared biomarker-directed use of uh, existing asthma therapy with traditional symptom-guided treatment have fairly consistently shown that biomarker-directed treatment is better. There are meta-analyses that have been published on this. So, but that's the, the key aspect of uh, treatable traits, I think, that differs most from
2: traditional management.
1: Do you feel the same, Peter? Do you think the same?
2: Yeah. So I think it's this linking of a particular biomarker so that could be a test but it could also be a validated questionnaire but something that can be used objectively to identify the presence of a treatable problem and it gives an amazing power to the consultation because once you have that information you know right I need to go after this problem or if the test is negative you say okay that problem's not there I need to go looking elsewhere. And Treatable Traits gives you guidance on where else to look if, if the, the first hunches have proven negative.
1: So what you're saying, Peter, is it's both clinic and research or is it clinic without research?
2: Uh, I think it's, it's a way of practising medicine. Uh, so, so in that sense, it's fully clinical um there are there are research questions around treatable traits and they they are how do i how do i model this if i don't have access to all the tests or are some traits more important than others how do i prioritize it yeah or ha- how do i manage multiple traits do i do them all together or do i do them sequentially so there are research questions around how you do it but it's it's real time clinical practice right now
1: mm. I have uh, recently developed an airway clinic in ENT surgery, and I have used the treatable traits, and all patients are examined, and we go for the traits we can treat in these patients. Um, And that has been a good exercise for the surgeons as well, that um, we use questions, and we use uh, uh, measurement of biomarkers, and then... Close up and and wrap uh, it everything up and and use it for the clinical setting, as well as research.
2: Yeah, Can that's you- interesting to hear, Vivica. I think what you're describing is a, a really well designed treatable traits model that's possible in in a specialist practice, and that's that's also what happens in the severe asthma clinics now. They're they're designed around. Identifying T two inflammation and other treatable traits. But I think you can have a less less intense version. So, for example, uh, I see I, I manage asthma in pregnancy. So the majority of those women have mild asthma. They don't require every trait to be assessed, but there are certain key traits that are very important in in that setting. And so that that's a, a a less intense assessment, we address address fewer traits, but there's still, still a treatable traits approach targeting the important ones in, in these people with mild asthma.
0: I think a particular attraction of the treatable traits approach is it's adaptable to different settings, different care settings. So, for example, in primary care, you might focus on the leading four or five traits, um, And recognise when your patient has a more complex disease and requires the next level of care more readily. So, for example, in primary care, you would want to, to have the skills required to identify airflow obstruction with spirometry. Uh, to identify type 2-hour inflammation with biomarkers. Um, you would want to use your existing skills on obesity, for example, um, anxiety and breathing pattern disorders, uh, issues with treatment adherence. These are the sorts of things that that uh, y- primary care would be well-equipped to identify and deal with. Smoking? Yes, smoking, of course, yes, a yeah. very key treatable trait, thankfully yeah. uh, disappearing, uh, but uh, yeah, still, still present in some people. Yeah. Where traditional uh, symptom-guided management really gets it wrong is in two groups of patients. One is a, a highly symptomatic patient who is often symptomatic because of something else entirely, whether it's a breathing pattern disorder or obesity uh, who gets put onto more and more asthma treatment, the assumption being that her symptoms are driven by asthma, and they get themselves onto a really high-level treatment without really any evidence that it's doing anything. And, you know, even uh, sometimes uh, evidence that the treatment might be a- actually exacerbating the primary cause of their symptoms. And this is a particular issue with oral corticosteroid use in patients with obesity-related breathlessness. Um so that's that's a, a group of patients that would be recognized very early in a treatable trait paradigm and potentially put put onto a much more uh, effective treatment pathway. And the the second group are these uh, symptom low risk high patients. When you look at confidential inquiries into asthma deaths and you know near death episodes um uh, you do see patients that really have never uh, no one's ever been alerted to the possibility that they have high risk disease because you know symptom control is good their lung function is good again the treatable trait approach should do a better job of identifying these people who have symptom low but risk high disease uh, because they tend to be the ones with the hot biomarkers so yeah, these, what you might call discordant patients, where symptom guided management gets it totally wrong, uh, would be recognized much more readily um, and put onto a more appropriate pathway. So, treatable traits, the goal of treatment is to get rid of that trait. Now, in so doing, you may uh, ease the patient's symptoms, but you may not. You, you you, may be primarily addressing risk in your treatment.
1: Ian, you have covered a very important point. We are near the end of the session. Peter, I'm very curious to hear if you have the equipment needed at your hospital for the management due to treatable traits.
2: Uh so i think what you're getting at is is a problem that everyone faces is access access to investigations access to support staff and allied health and do i i don't have a hundred percent access all the time so you i have to adapt to i have to make use with what i have and and adapt to that um but what i would what i have noticed is the key aspects of assessing T2 inflammation and airflow obstruction, so they're the key pulmonary traits in asthma, we have ready access to those, the tools for that. And that really, anybody treating asthma needs to have access to those tools if they want to treat asthma effectively in the modern era.
1: Okay. Thank you, Peter and Ian, for giving your views on the treatable traits. In the next episode, we will discuss type 2 inflammation in asthma. Take time to subscribe for this podcast on the channel you're using, so you don't miss out on new episodes.